0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Naturopathic Times. I'm your host, Katerina Meister, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Stephanie Yakapidia. If you are new to our show, be prepared to get new episodes every Friday about naturopathic medicine and its philosophy. Each week we are interviewing a naturopathic doctor, trying to bridge the gap between naturopathic medicine and common day practice. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and on to our guest. Today's guest is a licensed naturopathic doctor. Her main areas of focus include neurology and complex medical conditions relating to metabolic disease. She uses functional medicine with an expertise in biochemistry and physiology. These modalities that she uses most are nutrition, botanicals, environmental medicine, classical homeopathy, and hydrotherapy. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Shalise Pratt.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful um that our profession has has grown to have these kind of platforms. I just I'm just so excited that you guys are doing this in your fourth year. This is beautiful.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really wanted to do something, you know, positive for our profession. We started in the naturopathic um NMSA, the student naturopathic club and we were the philosophy chairs that we co-chaired together and we wanted to do something special. So this is kind of something that we kind of created and we're happy to continue it. Mm -hmm. We wanted to reach more people. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. So
1: I started practice, well, I started practice back in 2004. I had graduated from national, which is in Portland. At the time it was called National College of Naturopathic Medicine. Now it's Uh, National University of Natural Medicine. It's the same school, but um, that's where I went (laughs) for those four years. Um, You know, it was really interesting. I went in with this huge um, desire to learn botanical medicine, and and I still love botanical medicine, but what I came out um, really being passionate about was both homeopathy and um, really complex, like understanding neurology. Um, I, I was just, I had some really amazing teachers back then mm-hmm. that I feel so indebted to for really teaching me how to think through physiology um, to get to the root cause of things rather than just kind of figuring out like, oh, what would stop this symptom? Um, which is really at the heart of our medicine, right? Is, is really trying to find the true cause Um, Of what's happening for these people so that we can not only stop the suffering of those symptoms that are just And those symptoms when we see them as as NDs, we see them as wow, Those are like just warning lights in the body telling us something's off something's out of balance Um, There's a deeper something that's causing those symptoms and we need to figure out what that is. So um, so I I I was very um, fortunate to have amazing teachers and leave school with an amazing education. And from there, um, I did some really kind of unique things. Uh, I came back to Boulder, Colorado, which is where I was from. And despite the fact I finished all of my requirements, I still went to all of the biggest practices in Boulder, whether it was a pediatric practice that practiced very conventional allopathic medicine who was very against our medicine, very first thing I did that first year is I went out and made friends with all of those people that had really p- negative ideas about who we were. And at the end of each week of spending time with them, because I, I went in as saying, I want a preceptor with you um, and just see what you're doing. A lot of them in, the, in, the, in front of patients would say, what would you do with this patient like a, in oncology? So one of them was I spent Spent time with an oncologist. And I would always say, you are the expert, right? And what I love is the integration of like what I can offer and what what you understand. And you've been a pillar in our community for all these years. So I created a lot of really wonderful bridges um, that then helped me in my practice to start gaining, like people were referring to me right away for doing that, um, that normally would never have referred to one of us. And I got really involved. I thought I thought I wanted to treat women and children when I very first started my practice. And believe me, in my first year, I had a lot of men with prostate problems, which was <laughs> which was really um, not what it's I was expecting. To but see it what was you attract.
0: That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the good news is, within like another six months, I was seeing a tremendous amount of children. Uh, with neurological problems. So I started seeing a lot of ADHD, kids with dyslexia, um, kids with learning disabilities, uh, because I was working with somebody, but you may want to ask me a little bit more about this modality, but I studied also another modality called brain integration technique under a woman named Susan McCrossin. And she she mentored me, she helped me start my first office and practice. So she sent me a lot of people for naturopathic care, And, um, and I also learned her modality at the same time. And so I was seeing a lot of, of ADHD, those kind of learning issues and that I was having so much success with that. Then I started learning a lot about, um, autism because I started getting a lot of autistic children. And then my education just kind of rolled from there. Like I became a defeat autism now doctor, which is like the maps program now, um so i was i was part of the biomed community back um in 2006 2007 i learned from jill james all the methylation and how we were um using that f- for helping autistic and really complex medical conditions and then you know i just i just never stopped learning because every time i thought okay i you know i'm kind of getting what i'm seeing in my practice you know new patients will come in with even more challenging Situation. So I've just been a doctor that one one year after another, I'm humbled and constantly learning and constantly putting myself in positions to be a student as well as a teacher. Yeah, I'm sure
0: people are probably like they love seeing that you're able to like integrate both sides because then you can really understand the whole treatment plan for that type of patient. You see how they get treated in that situation and then how you can assist them. What kind of started this journey of natural medicine? Like, how did you get into this in the first place? So I grew up with a
1: nurse for a mother. My mother um, was, she did all kinds of nursing. And when I was in elementary school, she went back and got her master's in nursing because she was, she's 81 now. So when she very first became a nurse, it was pretty phenomenal that she was, she was like 18 and went into a program. So, um, she, I grew up in a very Western model, but grew up also in a liberal area where there was a lot of health options that I just wasn't very aware of until I became very, very ill, which is very common, um, that we have to go through something in order to really learn our, you know, learn to be a good doctor sometimes. So I had severe asthma with a respiratory. Like just mm-hmm. I was very susceptible to respiratory infections and pneumonia and bronchitis i um I struggled I just got into a very um, pathological kind of road with that, so it started as really pretty severe respiratory issues, an immune system that didn't function well at all. It ended up turning into asthma, and I was put on so much prednisone that I ended up with an immune system that just tanked and then I got. Shingles and all kinds of things. So, I ended up um, reading Andrew Weil's spontaneous healing book. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but it talks about our medicine in it. And that was the first time I read about it, and I thought, "Whoa, this could be. This is what this is what I dream medicine would look like." Uh, where we have a we have a synergy between the two. We know all of the Western modalities, and we know all of the traditions that have worked throughout time and naturopathy, like a lot of naturopathy and nature cure, and then the innovations that come with really the science that we've learned um, and putting that into practice for people. And so when I read about that, I um, I ended up um, finding it was before the internet. Right, <laughs> I'm that old. So, um, But I ended up running in by chance to other people who were applying to naturopathic medical school. One was applying for the, the, the university in, in, um, in Arizona. And he ended up giving me all the information. And um, as, as I went through my healing journey, and I started to heal because I started seeing people in natural medicine, um, I saw a naturopath. I saw um, acupuncturists. I worked on nutrition. I completely turned my immune system around. I cured my asthma that they told me I would have for the rest of my life, and I had. And it was all because I was following the. I was following the nature of our medicine, the six principles of our medicine. Really, I was. I was learning all of that. And that's what inspired me then to say, I want to go and help other people. And I can give one specific example of a time that I was really, I was thinking about going to traditional medical school at one point. I had a full outbreak of shingles from being on so much prednisone. I was in an HMO model and I was seeing the doctor and it was actually a PA. And I remember being young, I didn't know how shingles worked. And I, and she said, do you have shingles? And I said, and I said, Oh my gosh, how did I get this? And she said, do you have a computer? And I said, how did my computer give me shingles? And she goes, no, go look it up. And she left and never came back. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, I never, ever, ever Mm. want a patient to feel that way. And if I could see
0: a few patients,
1: you know, in my Mm -hmm. lifetime that never have to have that experience,
0: um, that's... Did she basically um, make you feel like... How did, that make, yeah, how did that make you feel when she said that?
1: Well, I was, I, I, she didn't answer any of my questions. I had no idea how I got shingles. I mean, I was left to say, she was like, oh, go, go look all this up. You could, you know, I don't have time to deal with you. Yeah. And, and so in my practice and in our medicine, we usually take time to care, to truly care. And I feel like that's been the cornerstone of my mm. practice since the moment I opened my doors is that I truly care and want to find answers or work with other people that have the answers that we're looking for. Um, Because I don't ever want anyone to feel that way. I don't want anyone to ever walk out of my office saying, where do I go next? I don't understand what I I basically was told I have this, but I don't know what it means or what to do next.
2: I was just going to say that's also healing in itself when a patient is going through so much and they're able to sort of like unload what they're going through um, to a health professional that can heal a lot of pain and suffering internally.
1: Absolutely. I have patients that have walked out of my intake and said, no one's ever let me tell my whole story. No one's ever given me the space to put all these pieces together. And I feel like I understand myself better by going through my whole timeline of my health. And that in itself is so healing, like you say, and giving voice to, I'm suffering. I'm really having a hard time. And starting to make associations and, and and understanding what things led to what, which is really profound, actually, and really beautiful yeah, about our I had medicine. a
0: patient come in the other day, and she just had labs done, and no one had explained to her like, what they even meant. And, and when you don't understand why – you don't understand the markers of your own health, and you don't understand why you're, you need to make changes or why this is this way, or you just – It just helps you, like you just said, put pieces to the puzzle and really figure out what's going on for yourself because it's empowering knowing why you are taking a supplement or this change happened because of that. So, yeah, that's really interesting. I love that you have a lot of interest in neurological conditions. Um, I know that you mentioned um, autism spectrum disorder, and I know that's really... Um, increased over the years I think it's one in 60 it's one
1: in every no it's one in every 35 boys wow and it's one in every 52 children I just I just taught I I teach for um I teach for the um institute for um what's it called the IPI program through the University of Colorado. I'm actually helping um, teach medical doctors and psychiatrists how to use our medicine and um, functional mm-hmm. approach to um, psychiatric conditions. Oh, so wow. um, we, I just lectured on autism. Just No, a, you're fine. Um, <laughs> you <missed that. laughs> so I, I believe that those numbers <laughs> are pretty accurate. Um, yes, autism mm-hmm. has gone up.
0: Um, there's, I know over the... It, Cause I was in a sorority and that was our main fundraiser was autism spectrum. And I know that it's been de- it's been increasing in number. It's been more pre- prevalent over the last few years. Like each year it's a different number.
1: Well, when I started with the defeat autism now, um, which is like I said, it's like the maps program, it's deep biochemistry um, brilliant minds were were in those conferences. When I started in two thousand six, two thousand seven, it was one in two hundred and fifty, and so yeah. that was what thirteen years wow. ago. And we're at one in thirty five boys. It's yeah. pretty astounding how quickly this is happening, and we are seeing. You know, um, you know, not to get too far into the research, but we are seeing that there is a genetic predisposition. But I'm under the impression as most maps and, and defeat autism doctors are that there's a toxic burden that also turns those genes Mm -hmm. on. It's an epigenetic kind of situation. And there's lots of factors in that bucket or that barrel that we talk about that gets full. So, but yes, um, autism, autism, I saw so many, I have seen so many autistic children and, and developmentally delayed children and um, kids with rare genetic um, diseases that I really, I'm, I'm really profoundly um, grateful for all the experience Mm -hmm. that I've had over the last 17 years. Yeah.
0: So what does that look like when someone comes in and I'm assuming it's the parents that are coming in with their child? Um, what does that look like when they first come and see you and how are they, how are they feeling about their, their child's diagnosis? And then how does that progression look of, the treatment. So a lot of people
1: have heard about me from somebody that they know or a group that they've heard about with of me online um, because I've helped so many kids. But so most people have an idea of who I am when they when they come into my practice. I don't very often have to explain who I am or what I do. Um, but um, what happens, you know, usually they come in and I take a really thorough intake of both. The parents' health um, and the and the mother's pregnancy, of course, and then I go through a timeline um, to t- kind of figure out: okay, what did the microbiome look like? Were they born by C-section? Did they get antibiotics in utero? Did they get? Did they have any kind of um, any kind of event during utero? And of course, I've studied uh, Chinese medicine. I've studied homeopathy. I've studied. Natureopathy and all of our wonderful medicine and all the great Western medicine that we learn and and how to bridge all of those and then I've also learned, um, you know, deep biochemistry and how all these metabolic processes and genomics. Right, that's another area of expertise for me. Is I'm a, I'm a big genomics and gene. Uh, gal. So um, so what I do is I'm looking for clues through this whole timeline. You know, Like I said, did they have antibiotics throughout their life? What does the microbiome look like? What was the nutritional status of the mother during pregnancy? What was the nutritional needs? Were those needs met in early life? Um, do they still struggle? Do they have food aversions? Were they not getting certain food groups at all? Um, so I'm looking for all of this detective work for me to put together okay, where where are the areas where we could have gotten toxic exposure? We could have had stress or brain damage or any kind of damage to the system. Um, Do we have nutritional deficiencies? And do we have genetics that are, are kind of playing a role in all of this? Um, that are that are upregulating or downregulating metabolic pathways. And so the next thing that I'll do is I don't run genomic testing in the beginning. I always run like an organic acid by Great Plains Labs. I've used Nutrival mm-hmm. by Genova. I use either um, spectra cell for nutrient because we're looking inside, remember, we're looking inside a red or a white blood cell. A lot of times the serum levels really don't tell us what's What's really happening inside the cell? So, B12 could be really high in the serum, and we we all should remember this, but where it's working inside the cell, you can find that it's very, very low. And then we have to figure out why. Is there a lithium deficiency? You know, is there another um, metabolic reason why they're low in this nutrient outside the cell, or low inside the cell and high outside the cell? Anyway, so I look at SpectraCell. The other one that I use sometimes is Vibrant America has a micronutrient test, that's pretty good too. I think uh, doctor's data also has a red blood cell analysis. Depending on what's kind of un, unfolds in, in the timeline, also in the parents' discussion, was there mold? Was there Lyme? Was there some kind of infection or toxin exposure that we know of that that led to certain symptoms or could have um, been a part of the story. And so then we have to decide okay, are we going to run heavy metals or are we going to look um, in the urine for a GPL tox, which t- tests environmental toxins, all to try to help manage these metabolic pathways. But usually, um, again, I usually run an organic acid. That's really the first thing because I don't like to draw blood on little, little people real fast and it's easy to grab. Urine. And so it starts what's great about the organic acid by Great Plains Labs is it kind of gives you areas of focus, whether it's, like we talked about, like there, there are other um, genetic diseases or, or syndromes like Down syndrome, Angelman's, imperfecta. these are all genetic conditions that when we look at their individual metabolic systems, what we do is we optimize those. So mm-hmm. if they have a mitochondrial issue. Um, let's say it shows up um, through the Krebs cycle metabolites or, or um, the ketone acid metabolites, we're going to go and okay, think about okay, L-carnitine, yeah, B12, riboflavin, You know, getting all the mitochondrial needs met there. But we may decide to do even more of a deeper look and look into the complexes of the mitochondria. Not everybody knows about this test. It's called a mitoswab. And it's absolutely fascinating. It tells you how each of the four complexes within the mitochondria are functioning. And a lot of this population, a lot of the kids that come to me with genetic disorders really benefit by us understanding where in the mitochondria are they struggling for energy, for their ability to, to have cognitive, to help um, to help assess and and maybe support their seizure epilepsy because a lot of these kids have that, whether they're autistic or they have a genetic condition, Angelman's has a lot of seizures. Mm -hmm. And a a little girl that I've seen several kids that are Angelman's and um, one of them had, the very first one that I treated had a lot of seizures. We ended up um, working with the University of Boston and he got on a, a ketogenic diet. And then I really helped... Um, really helps support the mitochondria. And we were able to manage those those seizures without having to use a lot of drugs just by, by using the physiology and biochemistry that we learn.
0: Okay, so let's just stop right there so we can kind of like unpack this because that was a yeah. lot, that was a lot. And <laughs> you're digging a lot, like you're digging deep into like – the cellular level of the function of the physiology of these patients. And I think mm-hmm. most of the time, I'm not sure, so correct me, because um, I'm not very familiar with treating any of these conditions. Sure. Um, a lot of the times I think these patients are a lot, on a lot of drugs. So I, I know that autism spectrum, they could be on a variety of drugs, ADHD, Ritalin, mm-hmm. um... Angelman syndrome could have a bunch of different types of drugs just to manage their symptoms. And I know that they also have depleted immune systems after being on those drugs. And they'll get uh, sick quicker or faster. So are you seeing these patients kind of after they've been on all of these drugs and seeing the mitochondria depleted from that or like the energy or the function depleted from after being on that or is it just the I mean I've seen everywhere in
1: between I've seen brand new babies that are you know that are not sitting, not crawling, not walking, and they they identify something. So I see them at the very beginning of life. And if they know people who know me, or, or they've heard about me in a chat group, or they heard me lecture, I lecture a lot, I have for many, many years now, um, then I see them younger, right? And, and that's that, like you said, it's, I can jump right in, I can kind of Assess and treat things. Um, it's a lot simpler if I see them early early in life Now if an autistic child comes to me and they're 10 or 11 Yeah, there is a there's a method to what how how we start this program Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is first assessment We have to assess what you know, what is the big picture here? And how do we clean up the gi? How do we support Mm -hmm. their immune system? By cleaning up the G- GI or or getting their microbiome more in balance, or and then at the same time treating any infections because a lot of these kids have infections. So, but you asked, um, you may have to do this again. It's it takes somebody like myself who's who. I, I mean, it's sixteen years yeah. of kind of of knowing, and some in some cases are totally different than others. So there's not a set protocol. But usually what we try to do is, is really start to heal the GI, start to heal the microbiome. And then we really like to support the liver in all of that so that if we need to kill off any like a fungal overgrowth or um, a lot of these kids have fungal overgrowth, especially in autism. Okay. Um, And they're missing bifidobacteria or, you know, there's certain species that they're missing. And we're trying to titrate that. And at the same time, to manage those um, symptoms of, say, you know, sensory integration or their ability to focus or attend that's when we're trying to work also with maybe biochemistry and support the mitochondria. But if you, as you know, like I know this usually it goes out to the lay public. So I'm not trying to overwhelm anyone with physiology, but there are layers to this when, which if you support something, you continue to support other things, even if we're going all the way down to a cellular level. Oh yeah. And there's a method to how we do that, right? We don't want to just Start throwing supplements without supporting the whole system in the
0: process. For sure.
2: Right. And just so, just to clarify, because I'm still stuck on these stats that we mentioned earlier. (laughs) I've been thinking about them and the rise that's insane. Mm -hmm. So, are we, so we're suspecting that there's an increase in these genetic disorders because people have a greater toxic burden now or the toxic burden is rising from diet environmental
0: inflammation um passed down from generations when the mother's pregnant
2: yeah passed down from generations and so what you're doing with the treatment plan is clearing the toxicity and supporting metabolic processes and in that way they are going to see some alleviation of their symptoms or an improvement in learning or whatever it is. Yes.
1: Or so, higher okay. functioning. You know, so if it's a so if it's a high functioning autistic child, they often come off the spectrum and become looking more maybe like ADHD or they do phenomenal, right? Or if it's a severely autistic child, they gain more function. They can communicate. They can understand more what they're being asked. They are more, maybe a little bit more social. Um, Maybe they gain a word or two. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bring function and specifically like I was talking about before with Angelman's or osteoimperfecta, it's slowing down or managing the progression of the symptoms that are associated with that genetic condition. So like I said, when I see a lot of these kids Mm -hmm. with these really rare diseases, what we really want to do is just get them as high functioning as possible and have the highest quality of life we possibly can give them, Mm -hmm. right? Or Down syndrome, you know, there's a lot of health issues associated with down syndrome if it's left untreated right they, they their thyroid is often missed and not treated in western medicine unfortunately and a lot of these kids can benefit from naturopathic care to make sure that their thyroid and their metabolics are actually tended to despite the fact that they are prone. Just because they fall in that box doesn't mean that they have to act from that box. And that's what I often say is possible if we give individualized care by getting out toxins, by increasing the nutrients they're deficient in and bringing their systems into balance and giving them the highest function, both physically and on a metabolic level as possible.
0: Yeah. So one of those ways that you do that is, you already kind of talked about it, the cross-synology brain integration technique. Mm. So what is this in general?
1: So brain integration is unlike any other therapy that you've ever heard of. It often looks like cranial sacral or something like a Bowen, um, but it, it is actually very um, specific. We're using acupressure points from the Chinese meridian system. We're using um, tra- or old traditions from Ayurvedic and Indian medicine that is woven in to Western neurology. So it, it came out of the Touch for Health movement that was applied kinesiology. Then, then there was somebody that, that created something called applied physiology. And that person that created applied physiology taught the, person, the two people that created brain integration technique. Um, it was also called um, Learning Assessment um, Enhancement Program. So it was called LEAP in the European countries and some a little bit on in Boston area. Uh, Charles Krebs kept with the LEAP name and his um, his co-founder, Susan Mcrosson changed it to Brain Integration Technique. So, so lots of different they're names. They're the same thing. They are the same thing. Um, and slightly different in that Charles... Has done some other things with with the protocol, but anyway, it is it it is those synergies of Western neurology, Chinese um, acupressure um, program, along with Indian medicine tradition. So it's a it's a it basically weaves it all together. And what what um, well, it was it
2: was. Was it so it's it like
0: touching, it's physical touch and then combined with some kind of like muscle test. So, yes,
1: so, so to go back, Richard uh, created applied physiology, which basically what he did was create different, um, different basically points on the meridian systems and different meridian systems related to different physiological pathways in the body, right? And so, he had, he had a whole A number of different organ systems that he could treat with applied physiology, and of that was taken their neurology piece. So we can go right into the hippocampus. We can go into the amygdala. We can go into the um, pineal gland. (laughs) Yeah, the pineal gland or the basal ganglia, or just to help integrate. And there's a protocol that integrates all these neurological pathways, so that people. It's sometimes like st- stress or trauma has, has, has turned off our ability to connect certain areas of our brains. And brain integration through this acupressure system will reintegrate those areas. So it, it brings efficiency and it optimizes neurological um, and brain health. So it helps tremendously with ADHD and dyslexia. And then I've been able to use it. Often over these years with these special needs kids Mm. and get really or traumatic brain injury um, to get get a lot of function back. So Mm -hmm. that's that's the modality and it 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 does optimize the brain and helps people that maybe got into a car accident 20 years ago gain back what they lost. Yeah, meaning their balance, their ability to um, handle visual. A lot of people after a really bad head injury cannot distinguish 3D hmm. or they can't see black and white pictures without getting disoriented or just depends on how bad the traumatic brain injury was. Uh, brain integration is really amazing for for both, for for traumatic brain injury as well as, as any kind of learning problem.
0: Yeah, it seems like it reconnects the pathways together. Is it a treatment-based? Creates- so they come in treatment-based or...
1: It's, a, it's, a, it's basically a protocol that you need to get through a certain number of hours to do the basics, the basic protocol. And within that, most people gain back a lot of function, um, it, but it goes an hour at a time. So like I may see a, a child for an hour once a week and go through this over eight weeks.
2: Can you describe what a typical session looks like? Like if someone were to come in for the first time to your office, what could they expect? Well,
1: usually the first time is an intake where I, I kind of, again, even if it's for brain integration or for any condition that they come in to see me, I, I take time to understand the timeline and understand the nutritional needs and, and then understand what the challenges are. You know, what are they coming to see me? And as NDs, um, one of the best uh, pieces of advice a doctor ever gave me is: don't ever forget why they came to see you, no matter what you find, mm. um, because you mm. constantly want to go back and and give them assurance that you're you're listening to them and you're working on the thing that brought them to your practice.
0: So, because mm. um, so yeah, I so- think you said that because sometimes you may not be able to treat what they came in for right away. It'll take a few times so that if you keep reminding them or if you keep remembering that then they will understand that you're still working on that main goal cuz i think cuz mm-hmm. often when you go to like an urgent care you you get the thing you get the treatment right away why you came in but for our type of medicine you usually don't get that right away you have to wait a little bit
1: well with chronic medicine you know it's 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 a lot uh, it's a lot different process it's not a linear right. process And sometimes they come into you and they say, I can't think well, I have brain fog, I'm really tired all the time. And what you find is they have a massive fungal overgrowth in their GI. Mm. Well, you have to constantly be educating why we're treating the fungal infection in their GI, even though it's happening in their Mm -hmm. brain. Yeah. Right? Right. Totally. Or whether it's a mm-hmm. child and their diet is they wake up and they have Fruit Loops for breakfast and then they have a bologna sandwich and a, and a Pepsi for lunch. They come home and eat their fish, um, you know, their Pepperidge Farm um, fish, cheese, fish,
0: Sticks, um, yeah.
1: crackers. Yeah. And then for. They have, you know, they have takeout from McDonald's. And, and, and again, that's a lot of people in the world eat like that. And then we wonder why people can't focus. And then we have to educate, well, okay, to come back to why you're here, we need to focus on the fact that you need to eat plenty of protein for breakfast. We need to get like antioxidants and and alkalizing food, like vegetables in the diet that are going to give the nutrients um, along with the proteins that we need in order to make the neurochemistry to focus, mm. right? And balance that blood sugar mm. throughout the day. And then I, I liken it to, do you ever miss a meal? And can you think very clearly to the parents? And they're like, oh no, I can't think well at all. If I miss a meal and I drink a bunch of coffee, I'm just like all over the place. Well, that's how a lot of kids feel. If they eat Fruit Loops for breakfast and they eat sugar for lunch and they eat sugar for dinner, So Mm -hmm. it's, it's constantly educating. We are educators, like from the moment, no matter what we're doing, we're educating them as to what, what we're doing. And we're coming back to why they came in, Mm -hmm. you know, and educating, although we found all this stuff over here, a lot of it's related to why you came in and some of it, I may need to educate you as to why we need to also manage that as well. Mm -hmm. So
0: or I didn't even realize that I didn't feel well in that way. Yeah. So and lifestyle changes are the <laughs> hardest, I think, to change for yes. a lot of people. And then you're kind of working at the the pediatric level. So you kind of have to also work at the parent level and have them mm-hmm. assist yeah. with these changes.
1: Well, it's encouraging yeah. and a lot of it is education and and a lot of it is is helping them. I mean again, a really good piece of advice is you have to meet your patient where they are. And there are plenty of wonderful doctors out there that are like, you got to start my program. And if you don't do my program, don't even come to see me. And I'm not that doctor. I'm the doctor that's like, okay, work with me. Like, I want to work with you. Where are we starting from? What can we do tomorrow? That's one small step towards our goal. And it's finding ways to meet them And encourage them and empower them. You use the word empower and I love that word because usually when you educate, you motivate and empower somebody, they really wanna make those decisions for their children or themselves. Right, and they understand mm-hmm. when they understand why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You get a lot more compliance. So <clears throat> I feel fortunate. A lot of the people had to wait a long time to get in to see me, or um, they heard such amazing things about me, so they come in and they're like, "Okay, we want to do what you what you're telling us to do." And so I feel very fortunate. At the beginning, at the beginning of my mm-hmm. practice, it wasn't always that easy. I had to really do a lot to help them understand and trust me that i that I was working towards what they were asking and educating them and helping them and sometimes motivating them to what their true goal would be. Mm. Like if they, and a lot of parents will do a lot for their children and then they want to come see you and then you have to motivate them for another reason to treat themselves. So, but you end up treating the whole family. I mean, if you're available to them Mm. and I've I've seen generations in my practice, it's really, it's really beautiful. I
0: think that's really special because I don't know, you develop a, I don't know. I, I love that sense of community in medicine. Just, I always loved being able to see the whole family when I would shadow doctors. I just mm-hmm. love that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really,
0: and it makes
2: sense. It's, I feel like it's such a personal, like you're telling your doctor such personal things that no one really knows about you. And so it makes sense to have this relationship with your doctor instead of like a quick, you know, in and out. What are you here for? Cool prescription, <laughs> you know. Well,
1: it, it establishes more trust. Mm-hmm.
2: The more you, mm-hmm. the more you know them. The more you,
1: and it, it's part of our medicine too. Is to know their social construct. You know what their psycho, their psychological and social construct is part of our health. Our our spirituality is part of our health. All of these things start to translate mm-hmm. when you see multi generations in your practice together. You know, when you see the grandparents, the parents, the children, and then sometimes their children, it's really, it's really pretty phenomenal. Wow. So did I answer
2: your question? (laughs) The original question was...
0: What were you asking?
2: Oh, what, what a typical session of... Oh, brain um, integration. Brain integration. Yeah. So yeah, first would be an
1: intake... Like I said, and then the next would be in a quick assessment. So it takes me about 20 minutes to assess. What's really cool about that is some of these kids have been to a neuropsychologist and had eight hours of testing. And usually I can figure out what they were, what the, I get the same results they did in about 20 minutes uh, through accessing, accessing and assessing these um these neurological pathways through this protocol. And so the first part is assessment. And then if we have time, then I start in with, um, they lay down on a table um, and then I, I touch certain acupressure points and then I hold other points on the head until I feel a pulse. And then I'll get up and recheck mm-hmm. that. And then I'll move on to new ac- a new series of acupressure mm-hmm. points. So it's very non-invasive. It is profound. When you're on the table, it just feels like it's very relaxing. That's what most people say, even kids. So I have parents who have said, my autistic child will never sit still for you. And I have kids that will get up on that table and actually put their their hands On my hands and put them on their head. So it's like they almost know. They almost know, like you have something and I want it. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's so sweet. But I mean, part of it is. I mean, let's let's also talk about where you come from when you meet with a patient. You know, I think from the moment I walk into a room with a child, many of the children that I see have been so many places. And they are constantly, especially if it's an autistic child or an ADHD or a sensory, a highly sensitive child, they're just going to assess you right now. Where are you coming from? Are you coming from your heart or are you coming from your head? And I'd have to say that the biggest medicine I have to offer is really, I come from my heart. Like the first intention Mm -hmm. I have when I walk in the room is I want you to feel comfortable. I want to be here to help you. And I I really care. And that's the intention that I bring in to the room because if I didn't, and I, I've just seen other practitioners, I've never experienced this myself, but I've seen other practitioners that are like all in their head, they're thinking about everything and you're missing it because the kid doesn't connect with you in that. Way That child is not, they're going to assess you out. And if you're not connecting with them and making them feel comfortable and making them feel seen and, 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 and pushing an agenda on them, you have to be very careful with this population. If you were to push an agenda on most autistic ch- children, they're out the door. They elope. Yeah. They're gone because they're mm-hmm. like, I'm not part of your program. You got to become part of my program or we got to create a program together and who are you and what do you, what do mm-hmm. you do? So, um, so I just want to say that as to all the doctors that may listen to this or all the parents, you parents know that your children do this and it, it's a real thing. And as doctors, we should know and say, yeah, it's a real thing. And so when, when you come into a room, you're going to know which doctors are the right doctors for your child. Cause your child's going to either really like really like them, or think they're okay, or not like them at all. And I just, I just think that's important to mention.
0: Yeah, I wonder um, how that looks. Because normally, a doctor would have a notepad or be at a computer. And I'm guessing, I'm assuming that you would be, instead of doing one of those two things, you would be actually interacting with the child or just creating a connection. it's
1: from the moment. From the moment they come
0: into my office, it's a comfortable space
1: to be an adult or a child, right? There's an area of toys. um, You know, it's not a sterile environment that they feel uncomfortable when they come back to my office. Like with really sensitive kids, sometimes I won't even sit at my computer. I'll just sit down on the floor and we'll start playing with Mr. Potato Head and just like start talking. Yeah. Yeah, we've I've done that with many many children that we just we just start the parents and I start talking as we play with Mr. Potato Head with the child just to give an experience of I'm not going to get into your space right away and I'm not going to just start talking over your head and share a bunch of words but let's let's actually have an experience here where you you can feel me out that I'm not going to come at you with mm. a needle. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable and yeah. scared. So, yeah, So it just depends. And a lot of parents, you know, and sometimes it is the other way. Like if I have an older child, um, because that doesn't work with like a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old isn't going to come in and play Mr. Potato Head. So they're going to come in and sit down and I may look at them. And if they are verbal, you know, I'll just say, you know, what, why, why do you want to be here? Like, what would make you, what would make your life Mm -hmm. easier? That's a question I ask. That's the one that I start with a lot is there's nothing wrong with you what would make your life easier Hmm. because they've been to so many doctors and been told or feel like something's wrong with them that I try to come at it from a place of like, I, am not trying to say there's anything wrong with you. You're great. But what, what, what can we make that's what, what can we do to make things easier or make your body feel better? And I usually get them to answer the question a little bit. And if they kind of shrug their shoulders, they look to their parents, but they see that I'm, I'm interested Mm. in them. I'm connecting with them so that they, they feel heard seen and they get an, they get an option to give their perspective because I think a lot of kids also get taken around and um, talked over their head, you know, talked about, but not
0: talked to. Yeah, I could see that. And just, (laughs) I, I can't imagine how they might feel if they always feel like something is wrong with them. They're always going to doctor's visits. They're always, you know, they're always, there's something always like quote unquote wrong with them. So I I can't imagine what that would feel like. Well, and so as
1: doctors, we, we do things a little differently. Like when you treat this population, you learn how to, how to dance with them a little bit, how to make them feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, during brain integration, oftentimes, you know, they can actually just watch, like I, I'll have like a little movie on my computer on the side and they can just watch that and it becomes a positive experience going to the doctor because I don't need them mm. like with brain integration, a lot of it is passive. And so they can, they can actually be rewarded. And then what happens is those, those kids get super excited. Like when I go see Dr. Pratt, it's so much fun. Mm. You know, yeah. <laughs> not, 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 yeah, not everybody gets a movie, but like when we're on the table doing table work, Um, and, and they can just check out that's, that's something, it's a reward. We want to create a dopamine response in the brain, you know, as a reward for anything we want positive behavior with. So, um, yeah, you learn to do different things, you know, based on how you practice and for brain integration, that's, that's kind of easy in that way. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then I have parents who sometimes like will want to talk to me about, some of the behavioral problems, because I see a lot of behavioral issues with children. And sometimes they they will have the child like sit back out in the waiting room and either play with the toys out there or let them like, on their own device read something while we go over some of the areas that we just don't want to discuss in front of the child, because those children don't want to hear or talk about their behavioral issues. Um, that's usually... That's usually a trigger and going to create more problems when they leave the office or they don't want to come back because it's, you know, part of it is, is it's not a choice for them. They're just trying to, they're really trying to, um, do their, communicate Communicate. and do their best in the world. And they literally don't have the resources to behave in such a way of sitting in a desk, being quiet and not moving. They, they just don't have that ability. Mm -hmm. So, um, we want to think about that in terms of like well, let's make that easier for you, but not say you're, you know, you're doing something wrong or it's a behavioral problem. So sometimes they sit out while we talk about that, or we talk about it in such a way of like, okay, it sounds like that would be really hard. That sounds like you're having a really hard time in your body. And sometimes just that helps a kid just relax a little bit just to acknowledge, like, I know you're doing your best. Yeah. And we want to, we want to help so that you can do more of your best.
0: What if there's solutions? Yeah. I can tell you how much empathy you have for these children. Yeah. You're so passionate. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love what I
1: do just like you guys will. And you'll, you'll, you'll give yeah. your little flavor to our profession. And I just feel so blessed that I get to be, <laughs> I get to be influencing and at the same time, like sharing my story because I love what I do.
0: Yeah, it's it's clearly evident, and I can tell that you put effort into making it very comfortable. And you've seen uh, maybe the problems or the areas that didn't work out in other situations of healthcare, and you're trying your best to um, bring the best situation forward at your clinic. So mm-hmm. that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I have children of my own. And when somebody doesn't understand your child, whether they're neurotypical or not, it's heartbreaking as a parent. Um, so you should have a doctor that, that really understands your child and understands your family. You know, I see it. See, I mean, I've, I, I've seen a tremendous amount of pediatric neurology cases over the years, and through that, And by having to dive so deep into understanding autism and all the different rogue things that can happen, you know, I've been able to help people with um, autoimmune and really complex conditions that nobody could figure out. And, you know, that's all translated into my adult population too. And it's, it's like, like I said, it's really beautiful to see both. But if you were to ask me, I've always thought, you know, pediatrics is probably my, my area of, of where I shine the most, maybe.
2: Yeah, I can tell you're coming from a a heart-centered space when you talk about all of this. It's really nice to see. Um, So what other modalities do you use in your practice uh, with pediatrics? I know you talked about you having a passion for homeopathy as well, and I know that children typically respond really well to homeopathy. Yeah, homeopathy is wonderful.
1: There are little, there are little kids out there that call homeopathy Dr. Pratt balls. That's what they
0: (laughs) rename them.
1: Um (laughs) um, That's so cute. Uh yeah, so there's there's I use homeopathy, I use I use nutrition. Um, you know, just really trying to work on nutrition. Um there are sometimes I use supplements, there's hydrotherapy techniques that we can do with kids. Um, specifically, the wet t- sock treatment when they're when they're having like fevers or they're they're sick. Um, so again, it's 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 our whole. We have a huge bag in our in our profession. That's that's one of the benefits. I mean, we're so thankful. I see primary care, and I'm like, oh, your bag's this big. And our bag is so much yeah. bigger.
0: So homeopathy is stuff. <laughs> we got a big bag. We do. Bag. We have a big bag.
1: And sometimes it's like, what do I pull out of this bag? Um, but there's so many things we can pull out of the bag. You know, there's, there. I mean, I, I've done it as, I, I, we weren't necessarily, we were trained in, in in, some of the psychological stuff. But being in this field for so long, I can help with like creating like executive functioning plans. Like, okay, first this, then we do this or making sure the parent puts a board up and every day the child sees what is on that list and how their day is gonna go. Some kids with anxiety or ADHD or you know, high-functioning autism, they need to see that visual representation of what their day looks like to transition amongst it. So like that's just as important, say sometimes, as a homeopathic remedy or a nutritional supplement or making a dietary recommendation or taking certain foods out of the diet that are pro-inflammatory. Or reestablishing the microbiome, which is absolutely always necessary in in these yeah, kind of cases. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a really beautiful um, art piece of art that we create. And again, we have to know how to do it in the right order. And so a lot of times. That is just as important as all of each modality, right? Is knowing which one to do. So homeopathy sometimes isn't the very first thing that I do, just because if you remember, Samuel Hahnemann said, you have to remove the obstacle to cure. So you Mm want to make sure they're on a really clean diet, as clean as we can get. You want to make sure that um, we're addressing that microbiome and reducing inflammation anywhere we can and, and maybe clearing out some fungal species or some overgrowth of bacteria that shouldn't be there and then really calming everything down so that when we give the homeopathic remedy, they're going to have a better response. But Mm -hmm. yeah. And then drinking plenty of water and playing and remembering, you know, we all need, we all need laughter. So And then I've actually gotten families to meditate together that each day when they, when they um, sit down at their family meal, they, they help the child light a candle and they all sit for a minute and, and breathe, take deep breaths together as a family before they eat. So like, that's just little, like just little things that we do to help us be more present to being at the table to actually receive the food that's about to come into our body. If we could meditate for just a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's just little things like that, that, um, in practice you just, you learn, you learn as you go, like, Oh yeah. Breathing. Oh yeah, that's going <laughs> to yeah, help sympathetic. The simplest thing. It's going to oh, yeah. right. bring down sympathetic overdrive and get you into parasympathetic, so you can actually yeah. eat. So it's 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 finding all, and we have that. Those are all in our tool bag, and don't forget it. They're there. Mm-hmm.
0: What would you recommend for people listening that are maybe not near like Boulder, Colorado, and they want to find someone? that has similar training to you mm-hmm. or has some kind of similar treatment plan, how would they find that person?
1: There's a couple different ways. Well, one is I do telemedicine all over the world. So I have patients everywhere, but if they can't see me, cause not everybody can see me and they shouldn't, they should see you guys when you get out of school.
0: Well, that's great to hear. I didn't know <laughs> that you had telemedicine. That's awesome. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. I've seen people all over the world for many, many years now. Um, so but I, I always recommend, you know, seeking health. Um, ben Lynch has a lot of really amazing practitioners. if you're looking for kind of this level of biochemistry and genomic expertise, that's where you'd kind of go. Or Alex Swanson at Nutrition Genome, he has a great list of practitioners that also are very um, equipped at dealing with really complex situations. Now, if you're looking for just a a wonderful ND, you can often find them on their state associations. Like in California, there's a state association for them. There's a state association here in Colorado each state Mm -hmm. has one. Um, And then there's a national organization called the um, American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And they are a, a, a nationwide and you put in your zip code and they can give you all the doctors in your area. So there's lots of really great resources to find really wonderful NDs out there. And NDs are very different than other functional like DOs or MDs. I mean, we see it just a little differently from the moment we're taught. It's from a, a, a place of we're not going straight to pharmaceuticals and kind of the Western approach, although we understand it and we know it, we have this idea of putting you know, people into balance. Mm -hmm. Um, which is very different. And we learn biochemistry very differently than Western doctors. Western doctors learn biochemistry based on pharmacology. We learn it based on nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of sets us up to understand um, how the body works in a physiological way very differently than somebody that looks at it from just learns from the very beginning that it's from a, a pharmaceutical model and not to say there's anything wrong. I mean, I know amazing functional medicine doctors. I have many that are very close friends of mine and I adore them and they're brilliant. Um, but we are, uh, we do learn, um, the foundations to health from the moment we step into school, which I think is, it just comes from a different It's just a different um, soil that we're grown out of in that way. And that's why a lot of actually functional medicine doctors, even you know Bob Roundtree used to come, he's a very big name in functional medicine, and he used to come to meetings and say, I aspire to be like you guys, you you NDs are so brilliant. They have a lot of the tools, they have to relearn a lot of things that we didn't learn that way from the very beginning. So let's just say um, we're fortunate and that we didn't have to relearn it a new way. We yeah. learned that way from the very beginning. So it's solid. Usually we're solid in those principles, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we forget about them. Sometimes we forget like, Oh yeah, I need to, you know, I need go to teach to the more. Basics. Yeah. Or I need to like, I need to, um, doctor as teacher, you know, um, doctor as, um, all the different principles. I, I won't go into each one of them. I'm sure yeah. you have guests that will, but Um, it's just reminding where us all where we came from and we come from a really great bedrock. I think we have really amazing tools from the very beginning. So, there you go. Mm -hmm. Naturopathic er, philosophy. You
2: know, like the old
1: school therapy can be amazing just even to start. I mean, I see really complex conditions. I have a woman right now that can't take salicylates. She can't take oxalates. She's reacting high histamine and has mast cell activation syndrome. And now, you know, she she literally has three foods that she can eat. And um, I started with castor oil packs. That's where we started because that's. We don't want to give her anything that she's going to react to. We want to just calm her down and just Detox
0: ending yeah.
1: exactly ending your showers mm-hmm. on cold. We can't even take something internally. We can't mess with her diet. We can't do anything other than try to calm down that inflammation. And what mm-hmm. can we use? Nature cure. It's yeah,
0: there. yeah. I know. I, I love nature cure, but and it it's so simple to use and implement into your life. And before I went to naturopathic medical school. You just don't use these things, or you don't even think about them as first, uh, their first option to do to stimulate your immune system if you start to get sick, and on cold, or do a contrast shower, or if you sprain your ankle, you can um, do contrast on that, or put a castor oil on that to reduce pain. Like There's so many things that you can do without needing to uh, use uh, a pharmaceutical or Mm-hmm. Or an expensive supplement, yeah. you
1: know, so for migraines, yeah, Exactly. Right? the first thing you can have them do is contrast hydrotherapy to their feet, right? Going yeah. back and forth, between that hot and cold. And all of a sudden, wow, you know what? My migraine is way better.
0: So Dr. Pratt, what is next for you?
1: You know, uh, one of these days I will write a book because people have told me this for a long time that I should write a book. So someday I hope to write a book in the process um, you know, I've been teaching a lot, which is really, really wonderful to give back. Um, and that's been wonderful. So I'll continue to teach. Like I've just started doing a lot more teaching in the last couple of years and, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure other than that, what's going to come next. I'm open. I'm open to the possibilities.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pratt for joining us today and sharing your story. If you are interested in Dr. Pratt, you can find her online at www.theprattclinics.com and that is T-H-E-P-R-A-T-T-C-L-I-N-I-C-S.com or on Instagram and Facebook at The Pratt Clinics. And before we close the show, don't forget to
2: subscribe, subscribe, on iTunes, comment, rate, review, and most of all, share with someone you know.
0: Thank you, Dr. Pratt. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye, everyone.